Welcome back to the Black Belt and Thinking Podcast. Today we're talking about behavior forcing. Welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking Podcast. I'm Peter Cronin, lead presenter of the Black Belt and Thinking. This is a podcast where we look at all things to do with thinking faster and acting more purposefully. I interview experts in their field to try and provide you with the insights to the way they think and the tools and processes they use on a day-to-day basis. If you find value in this podcast, love for you to share it with others. Yeta, what is behavior forcing? And should you be forcing people's behavior in the first place? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm an authoritarian. Is that the word people used to describe me in Viaga? <laughs> um, so this is actually a term that comes from, I'm going to miss, I may mispronounce this, but Japanese pokayoke or joke. Um, which means mistake proofing. And it was developed yonks ago. That's a technical term. Yonks ago, I guess, together with the Toyota system was, or as part of it. Um, and it literally means building forcing functions into a process that force a correct behavior. So in a system where a common mistake is being committed time and time again by users. You introduce a forcing function into the system that basically prevents people from making that mistake. Right. So less, less of a, um, someone standing over you as a slave driver and more of a built into the system. Yeah, okay. So, right, for example, good. if you think of a, of, of a simple form that you're filling out online, unless you fill out all the fields, it won't let you move on. Oh, yeah. Or if you don't put an email style email in, it'll go, nope. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's forcing the behavior. Makes sense. So, this is, you just said before, different than someone standing over you. Um, so, the sort of, obviously, we've covered previously on this podcast behavior shaping, where you're actively shaping someone's behavior, you know, reinforcing the things that you like, um, discouraging the things you don't like, etc. So, so this is a different version of that though, or it's different to that. Yeah, it's different to that. So you and I briefly discussed um, having a third party present to shape your behavior. Yeah. Um, this is probably the extreme of it. You're not even shaping anyone's behavior. You're almost commanding it yeah um i'm not even sure if you're commanding it it's just there's nothing else a person can do but to um the desire the behavior that was designed i guess yeah yeah you're just forcing it on track and we've got probably we're gonna there's a tier in the middle as well right uh behavior shaping constraints where where you're sort of Nobody has to be there to apply the behavior shaping. It's systematized, but it's it's still letting people know and sort of trying to shape the behavior as opposed to forcing it. So uh, what were some of the examples? We had the dinging in a car. If you um, or leave your keys in and open the door, or if you don't put your seatbelt on and you start to drive above like five kilometers an hour or something, it starts dinging. Like it's not stopping you. You can yeah. get out of the car with your keys sitting in there or whatever, but yeah. it's letting you know to try and shape that behavior. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically bringing attention to you're about to make a mistake. Are you sure you want to do that? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. Software is obviously riddled with this. 
you know, it's got like, oh, are you sure you want to install that? Don't know where that's from. Warnings that pop up. I never read Cut. those. I just go, yes, yes, yes. Get away. <laughs> <laughs> My Gmail um, does that when I, well, actually, this is very useful. In, in Gmail, I don't know if this is other email providers, but in Gmail, when you're sending an email, as soon as you read the words, please find attached, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And if you don't actually attach anything, Gmail kind of tells you, are you sure you want to send this? Because there's no attachment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot, yeah. Because how many times have you done that? Send something without an attachment? Yeah. Thinking that you've attached something. Yeah, so many times. Yeah, but, yeah so that would be your middle tier. But I guess you can override that by actually just sending the email anyway without the attachment. So yeah, you might have not... said like, you might have said, oh, I'm not particularly attached. And Gmail's like, oh, do you want <laughs> right. an attachment? And you're like, no, I don't. No. Yeah. Yeah, right. So this is forcing it. So you don't you don't have a choice in the matter. So just sticking with the software and computer things. It's like when your phone overheats. I don't know if you've ever left it in the sun, like in summer or something, and gone to pick it up and use it. And it's just got this like temperature thing because it shut itself down. Like, Is that your iPhone? Because I use a Samsung. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have that problem. <laughs> oh, so maybe so. Samsung would just let you melt it, and so right, just explode it. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally. <laughs> Actually, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard stories. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's it's not like oh, a little warning. Like oh, if you keep using me, I might melt down and malfunction. It's like yeah. no, I'm turning myself off now. So that's uh that's behavior forcing. That's the one. So a good example, I, I think it might be a good example, um, or it's a good enough example that just happened to me the other day when I was at the doctor's and she was supposed to, she wanted to subscribe an antibiotic to me right. and I'm highly allergic to most antibiotic groups. And yeah. she's like, oh shoot, I can't give you this one. I can't give you this one. This is a derivative and this is a derivative. Um, and then she found one and she's like, oh, I think I can give you this one. And she went to subscribe it, prescribe it to me. And the system literally said, no, you can't prescribe this antibiotic to her because she's allergic to this, this, and this, which means there's a 50% chance she'll be. So she literally couldn't click the button. <laughs> like right. The screen just, there was a pop-up and she couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Meaning she couldn't kill me. Yeah. 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 And again, as opposed to a warning saying like, oh, you might want to check these things. It's like yeah. it's making sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, like a, a rev limiter as opposed to the dinging in your car or, you know, the, the red line markings. Um, it, I suppose automatics just shift up anyway, I guess. But in a manual, you know, if you just leave it in whatever gear you're in and just leave your foot down, you, the, the car's not going to let you go past yeah. the rev limiter. It's, yeah. It's, Literally, you probably heard a bunch of times, you know, people flooring it out of the lights and hit the limiter and go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. But. Um, no, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's forcing it. All right. So where is this useful, you know, like other than not blowing up your engine or killing people at the doctors? So you would think it would be useful. Any so I think the origin is in manufacturing, and I'm not necessarily sure. I wouldn't sort of see why you wouldn't adopt it in other industries. Yeah. But I would think where it would be useful most definitely is in any situation where you have um, 
where the consequence of the wrong behavior is consequential is death or injury or some sort yeah, of a great sort of loss. Yeah, required there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then if you think about it, so what? So what? I mean, I'd love it if it was used in other very trivial situations. Um, I know that my washing machine won't start, for example, unless I actually close the door. I get that. And it's preventing, obviously, the water for, from spilling out. So, yeah. But I don't see why my blender is designed to work without a top on. Like, I can actually turn on my yeah, blender right. without, <laughs> without yeah, closing yeah. it. Like, I would love if someone introduced a blender and maybe such a thing exists that does not function unless you put the cap on. So mag magic bullets are kind of like that, right? I don't know if you've used any of them. Oh, yes, they, no, I don't have a magic bullet. Yeah, so those, you've got to, you've got to screw the blade. The blade is the lid, but it goes upside down, right? So that's yeah. actually a spinny bit. You've got to screw that on, and there's little, like, plastic knobs that pop out, that, that stick out of the, uh, the what, the container, the main part. Yeah. And so it's those knobs that, sort of push in and allow the blades to spin. Right. So you also can't just put the blade on yourself and push it down with your fingers and cut your fingers off. It needs right. to be attached. Like, to, yeah, to see, the, that's clever to design. The yeah. Yeah, so that's a good example. I like the one you had about the trays. About the? Trays. Oh, the trays in a shot. I don't know where I got that from. I think um, Kristen Cox may have been, may have put a post on LinkedIn. Um, Chris does a lot of TOC consulting and she's ridiculously famous in TOC community. Um, and she's just a great thinker. I, may, I think I may have seen a post of hers that basically introduced this whole concept of behavior shaping constraints or behavior forcing constraints with an, an example of food trays in food courts where there was a big problem with people just checking the food tray out with the leftover food, checking yep. it into the bin. Um, and instead of trying to shape people's behavior by putting posters up that said, please don't check away the food tray together with your leftovers, they've literally made the, the rubbish bin holes a different sh smaller shape than the tray. So the tray would not fit through. Yeah, easy. Such a like obvious in hindsight kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Hindsight bias, bias right there. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go back, what, one episode ago? <laughs> one episode ago. Yeah. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great example. It's just a simple change that, as you said, that's not a life or death thing, but like, why, why not use it? Why not still use it sort of thing? Exactly. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm sure industries, like the software industry, I'm sure uses this a lot. Well, I mean, you've got like check-ins, right? I guess that's a form of it where, where you check in and the code is checked against the code base to make sure it's not going to conflict and crash the system before it just shoves it in sort of thing. Right. So it, so it basically runs a test to say, if this code was in here, would it all work fine? And if no, then it spits it out and says, oh, well, this, it would cause these problems. You need to fix it before you're allowed to actually put it in the software. Yeah. So, and I'm not familiar with the process, but surely there would be something in the early stages of design, even before you start developing, that would. Because obviously, 
with software with software development you want to catch everything before it's released to the customer yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah everything you can put in there to, to limit it and i guess yeah as you say it's probably one of these things where you just did, like in medical fields there's probably more than we know about because neither of us work in medical fields but like what you said about the, the prescription um and not allowing that i'm sure it's used more there as you say anywhere where it's life or death it's probably it's, it's probably used more. Yeah, I think they have with scheduling, they have um, that you cannot schedule a nurse. Oh, I could be completely wrong. This may not be in hospitals, but it could be, or it should be <laughs> if it's not listening, um, where you can't schedule the same nurse on more than a double shift. Right. Yeah. For example. Yeah. And that'll be the Although same from, what my, from what my, my South African doctor's been telling me, when it comes to training and South African hospitals, he said he didn't go home once for like three weeks. He just did not leave the hospital. Yeah, wow. But I was thinking about, um, now when I said about software, obviously I'm not a, a coder by any um, any definition, but I do do email outs for Viaga and ballistics um have kindly designed these really sexy emails for us so i kind of copy the same template and sometimes i have to change things and that means yeah. i have to go into the code yeah and it's like oh i don't actually know how to change this how do i make this text italic for example so then i go google in html yeah. how this and i just copy paste codes it turns out into this franken code but sometimes it works and sometimes and this is a very technical term i'm going to use there's like these little P's at the end of each paragraph. Yeah. They have to be green if the code is correct. Huh. If everything you've done is correct, the little end caps are green. Right. If they're not green, I know I've done something wrong. Right. But it's so that you do shouldn't it? be. So I can still publish, but it's just, just going to look wrong. Yeah. Okay. So it's behavior shaping that one. So it would be behavior example. shaping constraint rather than forcing. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of telling you, I mean, go ahead, but it's gonna be wrong <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah so i guess people should have a crack at applying this themselves right to anywhere where that where people i guess i guess it's what it's frequent errors and it's you're proofing it against frequent errors or catastrophic errors sort of thing probably is where it's worthwhile looking for these things um, yeah do you know that is it is it a one-liner um i i've heard james powell use it hmm. if it's worth doing twice it's worth never doing again oh yeah yeah so that's um yeah that's i, I don't know whether it's from him or wise certainly wise things but yeah um, but to do with automation content, leaving with leading with content and everything yeah um well, processizing things everything to me this would be like if you keep making the same mistake again and again again it's worth I guess. Yeah. Or if multiple mistake people make a mistake it. and everything. Yeah. Makes sense. So how All do right. we do that? Yeah, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we even begin to design this into the process? Because it's think, a little bit of a I can in in retrospect, they seem so obvious. Like the tray in the food court. It seems so obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To just have that, that whole smaller. But how on earth do you actually reverse 
I can reverse engineer something that uh, that's obvious, but how yeah. do you actually come up with something like that from scratch? Yeah. Well, I think um, I think maybe the the reference environment flying pig worked here. You know, um, it's, you got a, you got a solution, and you just look at it. You go, I have absolutely no idea. Like I know I know what I want to do. I want to, you know, behavior proof this, so to speak. Um, but I don't know where to start. I think the reference environment flying thing is good for that. So that's, you know, we use that for other ambitious ejection solutions we have that we have no idea where to start. What you do is you look at somewhere else, a reference environment where it's already been done. So you, you find something similar in a different industry and that might be making holes smaller so the trays won't fit. That might be a pop-up that doesn't allow the doctor to prescribe dangerous medication. Whatever it is, you try and find something that's similar-ish that somebody else has done. Um, and then even if it's quite far from what you're trying to do, you can list the differences and it gives you basically a plan to, to cause it to change. So if you, if you say, oh, well, that's very, you know, the doctor's thing, similar-ish, but that won't work for us because, and you list the, that won't work for us because, and you get like five reasons it won't work. You've already got something tangible now. You've got these five things that you can look at and go, well, could we change all those five things? Or could we find a way around those five things? Or could we alter those five things? Whatever it is. And you go, oh, yeah, actually, we can just do this for that one. And so on. Using, yeah. you know, like our prerequisite tool, um, where you just got obstacles and IOs. And you say, all right, so here's an obstacle. Here's what it will look like when it's overdone. Can I break down a set of steps to get that done? And you look at it like that. Really, all the reference environments are always giving you something tangible to set that against, rather than just yeah. sitting there and going, "Well, I got no idea. I don't know where to start." Sort of thing. So yeah, I, I think sense. that's one way. Yeah. So it's being very specific. As long as you can be very specific as to what the mistake is. Yeah. Or the function of the mistake. Yeah. Like you keep doing something too many times, or you keep forgetting about something yeah so then you find the same function mistake or you or, or it's a system, system one system two thing like if you were thinking about it you wouldn't make the error but too often you're doing whatever activity in system one an autopilot and so you just accidentally do it sort of thing. right yeah oh that, those would be easy all you'd have to do is somehow snap people out of system one at a certain point easy famous last words that's easy. i guess this is what the restrictions say you know you know, i don't know do you have cruise cruise control on your car yeah and it's got the does yours have the um restriction version i've never used it okay so you push some button and it reverses it so rather than set it so rather than saying like oh, i want it to stay at 100k and it, and it keeps it at 100k you might say oh, i want it to not go past 80 and if you if you get to 80 even if your foot is flat on the accelerator it won't go past yeah yeah yeah. no I so actually, it's almost like you can yeah. temporarily set up one of these for yourself if you're just driving along and you're like oh shit i know there's a lot of speed cameras here or i know there's um you know zero tolerance or something uh for whatever reason like like in new south wales at least there's zero tolerance um past schools it's 40ks and there's, there's no there's no you know you can't even go 41 yeah exactly yeah yeah um so maybe you'd set it up there but whatever the point is you can sort of temporarily set one of these basically restrictions for yourself um 
I'm not quite sure what we're talking about that got me to that. But. Oh, I'm sure it was very interesting. Yeah. Um, we were talking about reference environments, how that's quite a good tool. Yeah. So, so how yeah. can people actually go about figuring out a behavior forcing constraint for their situation? Yeah. Yeah. So you might you might put some limiter on something. Um, and it might be mechanical Snacking. or electronic. Go, snacking. give me a, give me a behavior forcing constraint for my sna nighttime snacking. All right, I'll go, I'll go totally ridiculous, which is kind yep. of the point of flying pigs and reference environments. So you, you want to, at you know, 10 o'clock, you don't want to snack after that or whatever, or yep. 7 o'clock, whatever, doesn't, time doesn't matter. Yeah. I, uh, sounds ridiculous, but this is the point. So your food's in a pantry, right? Yeah. But there's, there's time lock vaults. You know, heaps of places you go, they have those stickers on the door, I guess, to dissuade um, <laughs> yeah. you know, old-fashioned burglars Bur running burglar. with their, yeah, coming on their horses and they have like a bandana around their face and a, I've seen and a revolver those. or something. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> anyway, those on TV. Yeah. Um, and, a, and a big brown bag with like dollar signs on it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but they have time lock safes, right? So it's only going to unlock, like I think you can put money into it, but it only unlocks between, say, uh, 1 and one thirty on a Tuesday. And that's when the armor guard guys come by to pick it up. Or right. however, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Can you come up? You could come up with something like that for your pantry. <laughs> well, and that's the point. Like, that might sound ridiculous, but certainly if I had something like that, that would work. Well, I mean, it would work, right? Like, it would it's actually stopping. work. Yeah. Why doesn't... You know, like Samsung and that have these ridiculous fridges that you can basically have smartphones built into them. Surely they should have some sort of time lock. You, can Do you know what it. I think it is? I think that you can piss users off. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's fine that the rational me makes a decision. Yeah. Right now at you know three p.m. Yeah. And let's say I set this up. And then come 10 p.m., I'm like, no, I'm pissed off now because this will not open. And I now I want it to open. Right, like like not buying treats in the shopping run, but we have an IGA, like a dairy, at literally the corner of our street, yeah. like just down the road. I don't know what it is, like maybe 10 houses. <laughs> so you don't buy the treats, but then you're sitting there watching TV and you're like, you know what, we're going to do with some delicious chocolate biscuits right now. <laughs> Yeah, because they do actually, because you, you do have to be careful about pissing people off with whatever it is that, like, it might be useful and it might work, but I know that even on your phone, you can, for example, set timers for apps, and yeah. then once, let's say I have a one-hour timer on my Facebook app, it, yeah. like, once I've used it for an hour a day, I can't open it, but then it does give me the option to extend that time. Because they don't yeah. want to piss me off. Yeah, it pops up, eh? And it says, oh, your, your time's out. It says extend by 15 minutes or something yeah. uh, or cancel for today. Or and it's almost too easy. Like, they don't even but make that's it like hard. A, that's almost like a nudge. Like, it's that's like, almost oh, like a nudge. Well, this is, like, oh, this is what you don't really want to piss you off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as opposed to... Maybe that's why it only works in things where A, there's an immediate alternative that makes sense. So, like, your, your tray example. If they had nowhere to put the trays, people would start putting them on the floor or something. Or, like... Yeah leaving them on the tables or something. So, you know, you just put the tray on top. It's the alternate behavior is super simple and just as easy. It's just, you didn't think about it. Or yeah. it's, as you said, something quite critical, life or death, where, you know, 
you, you don't want to be going around it. Or perhaps there's some sort of manual override for some of these things as well. You know, I, I don't know. This podcast is brought to you by the BBIT. If you want to improve your own thinking and problem-solving skills, visit blackboutandthinking.com to sign up now. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if this counts as a behavioral constraint, but (laughs) once I told Mani, I told my husband to not to change the Netflix password and not give it to me until I did something. I was supposed to write an article. That worked? Yeah, it worked. Because I really, really wanted to watch my, my TV series that night. That I was obsessed yeah, with. You're, you're restricting it, right? So that's more a contingent sort of behavior, more like that premac principle. The what? I'll have to I'll have to think about this. The grandma's law. Like I can only do a preferred activity if I finished the less preferred activity. Oh yeah. I think we used to call them contingencies, which I'm not sure actually makes sense, but well, it's a f- very fake contingency because it, yeah. it's not a natural contingency. You just made yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can definitely go and watch my TV series without writing my article. Sure, yeah. But to ensure, <laughs> to ensure that I don't cheat, yeah. I physically could not log into my Netflix. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so I think that works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's some examples, and this is the whole point. There's like the... The vault one was ridiculous, but it gives you the context to consider other things. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's plenty of examples out there. Obviously, um, lots to do with various things on cars and things, like, as I said, the rev limiter or whatever. Um, there's literally the speed limiter that you can set yourself. It, it makes you wonder why on earth do they not just have make cars that are, you know, 110k limit? That's the limit <laughs> on New Zealand highways. I guess people wouldn't buy them because... Would you wouldn't I'm... drive? Oh, you mean like the government mandates it? That's it. That's how the cars are made. The cars are made to drive... Like, I'm sure... What was the first Ford? What was the speed limit? On the first ever Ford. It wasn't 180k. Well, no, but also it couldn't handle 180k. No, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I guess then your government has to mandate it. So then you're getting into arguments over nanny state territory. <laughs> How much do you yeah, let people I'm an make decisions? I don't mind that. Remember, <laughs> I'm good with that. Because <laughs> it would have to be a, a government mandate, right? On all car manufacturers, it would have, it would to, have be to be global. Well, because like one car manufacturer does it, yeah. and the others don't. Like most people are probably just not going to buy their cars because they'll be like, "This is ridiculous." I guess. Yeah. Obviously, I hadn't thought that through. So you need, um, yeah, need to be a government thing, and then you know, is any government going to go for that? I feel like I'm going to piss everyone off. I mean, it'll happen when you get these self-driving cars. You know, the whole idea where the cars become self-driving, they can chain themselves together because they, you know, the reaction time is so much better than humans that you can, you know, you can basically form chains of cars and all that. Yeah. Then it'll happen. Because the car will just do what the car needs to do to get to a certain place. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I hope that was useful to anyone out there listening. Yeah. (laughs) I'm certainly fascinated with the concept.
Yeah. I mean, I know I love behavior and shaping people's behaviors and how all that works. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to say no. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. I don't care about shaping your behavior. I just need you to do, not do yeah. the wrong thing. Yeah. And it's it's um oh something I meant to mention earlier and I haven't so this it's not idiot proofing. I I particularly like there is you know you can idiot proof some things when it's you know just absurd that people are going to do something because they just whatever. Um, but I've, I don't really like that term for anything like that. Anything behavior-based, you know, talking about, I, I really, really get annoyed because of the course we run about like logic and problem solving stuff where people talk about common sense. Oh, that's common sense. And what they mean by that is I already knew that. They might not have known it six months ago, but now it's common sense, hindsight bias. Um, anything I already know, it's, it's, I said to you, it's that, Anyone who drives faster than me is a maniac, hooligan, who should be off the road. And anyone who drives slower is out as a nana out for a Sunday drive and they should be off the road too. Like I, I am the perfect You're the ideal anchor. <laughs> yeah, I am the ideal anchor. And everybody else is their own ideal anchor for, for driving. Um and people apply the same thing to what they call yeah. Um com uh, common not um oh common sense common sense thanks um yeah it's common sense if i already know it and if i didn't know it and somebody says to me, well it's just common sense i go oh no, well, obviously it's not because i don't know it well it's interesting you bring that up because this term pokayoke I'm, I'm sure i'm pronouncing something wrong here but um someone who's japanese who might be listening could <laughs> please um correct us um it used to actually be originally called bakayoke, which means idiot proofing. And right. then they decided to, oh yeah, no, that might be a bit harsh. Well, yeah, it's not just harsh. Oh, I don't think it's so much the harshness. I think it's the arrogant subjectiveness. Like yeah. people call everything other people do idiots. Oh, yeah. so many idiots out there. Oh, well, it's just idiot proofing because who would possibly do that? And, you know, they might say that about something mechanically based because they're mechanically minded and they find that easy. And then they'll go and turn on their computer and do something super dumb with it. And their kid will be like, you're an idiot. And they're yeah. like, oh, no, it's, you know, you know, in their way, they get defensive. Like, it's, exactly. just, it's, it's such a loaded term that doesn't actually mean anything, idiot proofing. So I, I much prefer this, the um, behavioral, behavioral constraints or behavioral force constraints. Or, or yeah. even, as you say, um, mistake proofing. Because it's not, I mean, you, it's the example you gave was your doctor. <laughs> See, yeah. your doctor's trying to figure out which medicine they can prescribe they're not an idiot <laughs> like yeah exactly but, but but the system keeps it on track cool so yeah there you go so it's not about idiot proofing it's about mistake proofing um and yeah look for other examples out there look for anything you can find similar and just try and apply that to your circumstance and yeah this is helpful <laughs>